the fact that I woke up this morning and there was, we had about between 100 and 200 new homes a day. And I've been there and I've been in these homes and people have hugged me and said, like, you've changed my life. I don't have yeah. to worry about my kids coughing on kerosene fumes. The first time I went there, I went to, I don't know, 20 different homes, got to visit our shops where it was closest I've ever been to Rockstar. Like people were, the field agents were waiting there for me. And I went back at the end of a very long day and called my wife seven hours behind in Canada. And I was crying. I was like, crying. Yeah, this, is, for sure. this is what I get to do for a living. Um, yeah. This is amazing. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Leaders, holy, holy, I have an amazing young entrepreneur for you, Brett Bergman, who has uh, joined uh, just an incredible company called Solar Panda, the chief operating officer. And basically, it is a company that provides people who are lighting their homes in Kenya and in Africa with kerosene. So just imagine lighting your home with kerosene and you know the fumes it doesn't work very well it's very dangerous it's it's still quite expensive and his founder he came in and joined them created this amazing thing for $200 that provides light and a solar panel that provides light and then later on can provide a TV or or different uh things that feed off of that and they have grown in two and a half years to 10 to $20 million business. And they're selling it to Africans for 60 cents a day. So it's part of this enormous micro economy. You know, how do you, how do you get credit for these people? Well, you don't, you'll find out about that. So inspiring. And Brett um, has a really unique story in go getting to this role as well, that, that you'll really, really find fascinating. And uh, just so happy that he's been able to come on today. And it's, it's sort of a really, you know, solar panel, it's, it's really kind of a, a light in our challenging, challenging world, you know, of COVID, of U.S. elections, of just, just uh, challenges. And, um, and this is really an inspiring story. I know everyone's going to leave this feeling inspired. So please listen up. I know you're going to love it. And you know what I'm up to. I'm up to finding amazing young entrepreneurs like Brett. So if you know any amazing young entrepreneurs, please send them my way. You could go to chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You could go to studentworks.com. You could share this podcast with them. Thanks so much and have an absolutely terrific day. So Brett, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. No, I'm really, really excited. I know it's been a it's been a long time, and we had the the, the pleasure of working directly together, you know. And so that that's it makes it even more special. But uh, if you think back before you joined the program, okay, um, what were maybe frustrations that you were having, or or frustrations at at, at the time being a student at that point? Uh, other than finding dates. Um... <laughs> 
Uh, I guess kind of before StudentWorks, um, I always knew I wanted to do something to, to leave a mark. I mean, I was a, a very competitive person, always wanted to do something, but I had no idea what I was going to do to do that. And so, I don't know, was I going to be a musician? Well, probably not because I wasn't very good. Um, wanted to be prime minister and who right. knows, we'll see at some point. But uh, I mean, business was business was something I really kind of gravitated to, but had no idea how to get there. So that was one of the frustrations. Like I, I wanted to be an accountant. Right. Both of my parents were accountants. They said, don't do that. You, you, you won't like it. So there was a whole bunch of ways I wanted to go and didn't know how to get there. And so I think, I mean, took some steps to, to try to figure out where uh, student works painting did help kind of solidify because it, it was one of the first experiences I had to, to really see all of the facets of running a business. And it kind of solidified that that's what I did want to do and, and gave a bit of a clear vision of how do you get there? Right. Okay. And so what do you still rely on from your experience at student works? There was a few things. I mean, I, I it was a fantastic summer for me, but it, certainly had some ups and downs. So I think one of them is just is contingency planning. Right. I got off to a great start that summer, uh, had a whole bunch of business booked and had, I think, three teams going at one point. And then we ran out of business because uh, oh. I just took my eye off of uh, kind of continuous sales processes and, right. and, and stuff happened. And so that was my first experience with planning ahead, contingency planning. Not everything's going to go exactly as you're thinking it will. Yes. Um, so that was a big one. The second thing I took away from that was, um, I mean, business to me before then was about, okay, look at these cool companies, look at the the financial aspects of it. That summer hammered home to me how important the people are. Right. And I'd, I'd done some entrepreneurial stuff before, but it was always just me by myself. And this was the first time managing leading teams. And it really, I mean, some of my most memorable aspects were like a team out there in the hot sun and, and bringing them slushies. Yeah. And how did it deal with turnover is how much of an impact that is. So mm-hmm. it's kind of solidified. I, I mean, I said it to many employees I've had over the years about my, my personal philosophy, philosophy is um, family first, people second, and work third. Right. So nothing's going to get in the way of my family. And if you just focus on, okay, what's the task at hand? What's the work? And you neglect the people. It's It might work for a little while, but it's going to fail. So if you spend a lot of your effort on building a good team, building loyalty, the work will come. And I, and I learned that a lot that summer. Like The painting aspect was far secondary to having a really happy, productive team. Um, and it was amazing what you can get done when you've got that in place. I, I can't agree more. You know, and again, Brett, just just to share, like, you know, at least my sense of you is you've always been a real top performer in your life. But that's what I saw before. That's what I saw during. And that's what I've seen after. And one of the neat things about this program is top performers get knocked down because that's what happens in business, too. And that's what you know that, you know, from from all the things that you've done. And and it's it teaches that perseverance and that then that, OK, I got to get up again and got to go go harder to, to to figure it out or whatever. Right. Isn't that a great part of this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had had and I still have had since then a lot of successes and certainly mm-hmm. lots of kind of little failures, no, no major ones. But that was it. The summer didn't go exactly as I had planned. It was still a great success and, and yeah. a huge learning experience, but 
it was one of the first times I had kind of stumbles that were completely on me and mm. kind of come to realization of, oh, yeah, not everything goes exactly as you always want it to. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. And, 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 and again, that's a good thing too, right? Like that's a good thing because it keeps you on your game, keeps you watching, keeps you learning. So in terms of, you know, post-student works, what, what did you do career-wise? What did you step into, you know, uh, what were you thinking? So I actually got my very first job directly because of student works painting. So towards the end of the summer, we got a job painting the inside of a garage. I went and did it. And it was a really old garage. It sucked up the paint like I'd never seen before. It took three times the hours and the materials. So oh. I had to negotiate with the homeowner afterwards. I guess I get a good enough job because um, he handed me his business card and it turned out he was the global CEO of McCain Foods, the Canadian massive frozen food company. Right. And he said, why don't you give us a call or come on in? So I did. He put me in touch with the uh, head of uh, corporate development there who sat down with me um, afterwards said, I had no idea who you were. The CEO just said, talk to this guy. So I got a job at McCain Foods doing corporate development. I'd been in school for engineering um, and added on an economics degree. Ended up uh, at McCain working in their global operations department, doing kind of large-scale plant efficiency projects around the world. After doing that for a bit, switched into sales because I wanted to get a little bit closer to the business end of the business. Right. Let's hold on there. One of the things I just I I just wanted to 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 sort of share is. You know, what do you think, what do you think had him stop you? What do you think had him sort of, you know, find your interaction interesting? I mean, for him, it was, it was such a small amount of money. Yes. Like this was not a, we weren't paying the whole house. This was a small garage. So exactly, I I think he could see my passion and that I approached it in a, um, like, let's try to find a way that works out best for both of us. Cause I've got, I I said, I've got painters here who've spent way more time. And and so can we find something here? I know it's not tons of money. And for him, I mean, yes. running a company that size, yes, I think he probably just liked my approach to it uh, and collaborative effort. That's, yeah. man, that's a good question. I never actually talked to him, but something yeah. about it um, struck him as it's worth bringing this guy in. Yeah, no, and I think as well, just what you're doing as an entrepreneur at, you know, in 20 or 21 or however old you were at the time is unique and different. And how you show up as a person and as a leader is unique and differentiated. And, and so, you know, this scenario now, CEO of McCain's very unique, but this scenario where people are offering business cards and saying, call me when you graduate or here, I've got something for you. This is normal. This is a definitely something that, that happens to our operators. And I think it's because of how much they're taking on. Yeah. And I just, the, the, yeah, I think you're right. It's the, he saw this is an entrepreneurial thing. Like he probably didn't need his garage painted that much. I think he saw that I came to his door. Yeah, even even then, yes, yeah. even then. Why did you get the job? Yes, even then, it's like, oh, what a what a keen kid. Okay, great, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. I always like to say that a lot of the work that we get is clearly people wanting to help students. Like, it yeah. is just totally that, you know. And again, a lot of times jobs will grow because it's like, oh, you can paint this, and then oh, oh, wow, the, the job's great. <laughs> you can paint this. So yeah, it's the same reason I cannot walk by a lemonade stand without buying. Yeah, oh, same I, with me. <laughs> same with me. Exactly. I just can't not. Oh yeah, keen. Oh yeah, yeah. support that. You exactly. Betcha. You betcha. Yeah. 
So where, where did you go after McCain? Yeah. So I went down to uh, University of Michigan to do my MBA down there. Mm-hmm. It was a cool experience. And, and talk, talk more about that and what, what you got out of it. And just because I know there's a lot of our leaders listening and, 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 you know, do I do an MBA? Do I not do an MBA? Is it worth it? Is it not? And I know it's always individual, but what did you find, Brett? I kind of had that plan from the beginning. So that was the reason I went into engineering um, okay. rather than commerce was the, I talked to a lot of people in business because I, again, I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go and or how to get there. But a lot of them said, I mean, engineering gives you a great grounding. Even if you never want to be an engineer, mm-hmm. it gives you a way of thinking. If you can combine that with business passion and a, a kind of business education later, it's a really good combination. Right. So I, I knew I wanted to go do an MBA. I originally wanted to do it straight out of engineering because I never wanted to be an engineer. And then quickly realized there's the value of an MBA is, is having some real life experience and bringing that to the, to the table with yes. your fellow students. Yes. And then all of my experience at that point had been in Canada. So I was looking at what were the top US ones to get a broader experience, build a more global network, um, and just have some other opportunities. And then Mich- Michigan was one of the top ranked top uh, schools, MBA programs sure. um, and yeah. had a real focus on entrepreneurship. And that's what attracted me there. Okay, awesome. And what do you think looking back on it? You know, that was a big investment, I know. So was it worth the investment? You know, how was it worth the investment, et cetera? I think it was. I think, especially on the entrepreneurship side. So, mm-hmm. I mean, my network is not, I didn't, everyone says 50% of the value of an MBA is, a net, is your network. I have not found that probably because I went down to school in the States and then came out to Canada. Yes. So it's hard to stay in touch with the network. Yeah. And I'd probably have a stronger MBA network if I'd stayed and gone to, to Toronto or, or somewhere like that. Yes. I think the, the content was fantastic. I mean, we had some really cool classes where CEOs of global companies would come in and talk to us. So the caliber of uh, professors and everything was, was amazing. I'd launched a business while I was there. And so it didn't last that long, but uh, some of the real world experiences there were, were invaluable. And I, I think uh, that's just the, the experience of the MBA and learning from other people and how to, that, that was the value, not necessarily the, okay, what did you learn in finance today? Yeah, no, um, for sure. But I don't regret it at all. It was, uh, I've learned along the way, like you, you can't plan your future. Luck happens, bad things happen. And I feel like everything I've done is kind of, I've stumbled to the next thing. And the MBA was part of that. I don't think I would have gotten into went to General Mills after that, might not have been there. And it's mm-hmm. just, everything's kind of cascaded. So um, certainly don't regret any of that. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing for our leaders is again, there's no direct line, right? There's no, okay, this is, uh, this is where it's going to go. And, and, and again, uh, you know, we're speaking to somebody who you had a lot of things going for you, you know, right. You went to Queens, you Crescent, you know, elite athlete, like, you know, super interpersonal skills. So it's no, again, direct line. And I think that's a great, I think that's a great, great thing to sort of identify. So, yeah. And, and I think I can only reflect on that now after having, um, history behind me that, uh, certainly the path I took was nowhere coming out of high school where I would have expected to go, mm. but it's all kind of cascaded through lucky opportunities. I mean, I've done some entrepreneurial stuff that, that popped up through being at a swim meet. That's where the introductions came from. And so it's, right. it's all kind of clicked to where I'm now in, in a dream job. And that frustration I had originally of, 
how am I going to make my mark? I, I feel like I've, I've finally gotten there. Isn't that fantastic? Okay. So after the University of Michigan, where, where do you go? What are you doing? Yeah. So I went to General Mills back in, in Canada and okay. actually worked in marketing there. So worked on different great brands like uh, uh, Green Giant at the time, Nature Valley, Yogurt mm-hmm. Business. But I always had this passion for entrepreneurial stuff. And so I kept pushing to try to do more entrepreneurial ventures within the company. And eventually, we set up a new ventures division oh, wow. at General Mills. Um, and I was one of the, the marketing leaders on that. And the idea was, let's go after new fast growth areas that the company isn't currently in. So I launched a ethnic import business, bringing in um, flour from India that uh, that the company owned, but we didn't right. have any presence in Canada. And then I launched a venture investing division where we were looking for startup companies to invest in as uh, as General Mills. So that was, I kind of got to do a little bit of both, work in a big company and fulfill some of my entrepreneurial passion, which was fantastic. But then eventually realized if I really wanted to do something entrepreneurial, working in a giant CPG company, you're, it was just never going to be able to do exactly what I wanted to do. Okay. I think it's just the nature of, of a big company like that. 100%. And before jumping off, why don't you talk about, because I'm just on your LinkedIn, why don't you talk about some of those brands that you work with just to kind of make it more real for our, our leaders because they'd recognize them. Yeah. So it started off on Nature Valley. Um, yeah. And so okay. marketing, I mean, people think of a marketing as uh, advertising, which yes. it really isn't. If you're working in a company like a General Mills or Procter & Gamble or whatever, you are the brand manager. So you, you, you're you the closest to the CEO of that brand. Yes. You're responsible for, yes, the advertising, but also forecasting, um, working with the manufacturing on it. How do you do cost reductions on the product? How do you... You own the, the P&L the statement business. for that, that business. Yeah. So worked on Nature Valley, then went to our... We had just acquired YoPlay, the massive mm-hmm. yogurt yes. business. Uh, so went there. After that, ended up on uh, Old El Paso. Yeah. So selling tacos, and then the new ventures business where we got to do uh, a little bit. Got stuff. to do things. So so it was one of those things where, obviously, you would have been being paid really well because you know you you know those 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 types of roles are are being paid well, and you had this itch, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's there's something so just in terms of you know just family where were you with with your family at that point? Yeah, so I had three little kids. Okay, uh, that's what so I noticed on Facebook. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that would have been um, three years ago. So I would have had like a one, three, and a five year old. Um, okay. And I mean, it'd been a while where I had that that itch, but it's really hard, as you said, to mm-hmm. I mean, great great job security uh, as much as there ever can be. Pension, benefits, everything, but just not fully fulfilled in what I knew I wanted to do. Right. Okay. You know, just again, you know, just just asking for the leaders listening, because because this is a lot of times not where entrepreneurs start. Because you've been going a while and you've got three kids at home and you know, expectations of earning money and things like that. So were you living on less money, Brett, than you needed? Were you saving money, you know, in, in preparation? Yeah, I think I kind of always did that. We were, both okay. my wife and I were um, kind of quite responsible with money, but n- never to the point of okay, we got to put this away because at some point I'm gonna right. quit here. I, 
it was would have been a really tough conversation or a really tough decision to say, I'm going to quit unless I knew I had something right. that uh, I was extremely confident in. Okay. I'd done two entrepreneurial ventures before. So in first year university, started up a travel business that essentially did spring break trips. Right. And was able to kind of do that on the side for for a long time. Uh, yeah. Kind of dormant now, but I mean, that was 20 years ago and it's, we this company's still around. Yeah. And so I mean, that, that was a great experience and we did quite well with that for a long time. When I was at my MBA, started up, essentially it was Uber Eats before Uber Eats was around. So okay. um, a food delivery service partnering with restaurants. Uh, right. And uh, as we got that going and then we actually launched it at the school and then got shut down because they had a non-compete clause with a, with a <laughs> catering company. So I'd, I'd done some stuff, that, but it always never, I had never done the, I'm going to dive into the deep end and I've got a credible respect for people who can do that. Yeah. And maybe I would have gotten to that point at some point just because that itch wouldn't have gone away. Um, right. But it would have been really tough with the responsibilities of kind of three little kids and everything else. <laughs> you betcha. I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. You know. So tell us what that opportunity was that pulled you away and, and how you were able to make that you know, justification. And obviously, the choice turned out well, uh, which is great. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Yeah. So it was, I mean, this is another thing where you, you cannot plan your, your future. So I'd been talking to my mom and saying just, she knew I wasn't uh, fully satisfied at General Mills. Yeah. And she said, well, there's this guy, I actually went to kindergarten and grade school with his sister mm -hmm. and had not talked to him or his sister in over a decade, but my mom and his mom had kept in touch. Right. Uh, his name's Andy. And she said, well, Andy's doing this kind of cool thing where he's got this solar company. It's like, you should, you should talk to him at some point. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Sounds interesting. Right. Uh, and then it just happened that one day I, I came home and I called him. I'm like, can you reach out and put me in touch with Andy? I just had a bad day. I really yeah. I want to look at something else. The same day, Andy was talking about to his sister uh, saying, I just, I'm so swamped. I need help. And she's like, you should talk to someone like Brett. And so <laughs> that's so amazing. Like he had not heard my name in a decade. And that day his sister mentions it and he gets an email from his mom. And so we're like, Hey, let's get together, had lunch with him. I think the next week on a, it was a Wednesday. And he tells me about this company he's got. And I was like, Oh, this isn't just some garage idea here. This is a real opportunity. And I think I mean, we're, we seem to click. I think this right. could be something. That was a Wednesday at lunch. Friday night, we went and uh, had dinner, and I'm like, I'm in. Um, and <laughs> so it just was that before you talked to your wife, Brad? No, no, she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that that would not have gone well. Yeah, but exactly. Uh, she, no, it wasn't. Just I know my, some of the leaders might have been questioning that. So what do you mean? <laughs> so yes, no. yeah, no, she was she was remarkable through it. I mean, this had to be a ton of stress on her. Absolutely for me to, to take that leap, but she knew this was something that I needed, I wanted, uh, and she had enough faith in me that, that I could pull it off. So, right. So tell us more about the opportunity and what made you feel really comfortable that this opportunity, because there's two things always like, you know, or I know two big things in my mind, it's, do I have the capability to scale and build a great team and do the things I need to do? And then the second thing is, 
is the the business something that that is actually going to win so that uh, you know again i can i can earn good money or maybe equity and all these sorts of things so there really are two good things i feel confident in you brad so tell me about solar panel panda sorry yes there's a billion people in the world that don't have access to electricity uh they live off the grid and they're powering their homes with kerosene lanterns which is relatively so expensive dangerous. and very dangerous very unhealthy yeah so many reasons that it's not a good idea. Yeah. And so Solar Panda, we sell kits. It's a Canadian company. And that kit comes with a solar panel controller, the battery pack, and then some light bulbs, um, a flashlight, radio, torch, a uh, charge cable to charge your phone. Because despite the fact that people don't have electricity, everybody has a has mobile a phone. phone. Um, and so we sell these into Kenya, mm -hmm. which has, uh, I mean, Africa's got the largest portion of people off grid. And the, one of the challenges is just affordability. Like yes. the, the average income there is very small. So we finance it. So it costs about that, that basic kit, that's our home kit, costs about a $20 deposit and then 60 cents a day for the next 13 months. And so it's a pay-as-you-go. And once they've paid off that loan amount, they own it outright. So then they've got free electricity for however long it lasts. The whole company's built that it's, modular so once they've paid that off then they could add on a tv package or in the future we'll offer fridges and everything so as their financial situation improves they can grow and i, I mean yeah. I, I think africa is going to be the next huge market in the world and affluence is just going to keep going and so that's what we do so part of what this is also is micro lending yeah. Right. Like this is one of the big things as well for our leaders. If you haven't heard and, and why have I, cause I'm in the painting business just cause I read and I'm fascinated by all these things, but tell us about micro lending and why that's making, you know, 60 cents a day. Like why that's such a, a huge opportunity in, in Africa. Yeah. It's just out of necessity. I mean, the idea of buying a package that would, so that's a little over $200 for the, over the term of the loan. There's no way they could afford that. I mean, the yes. average income, I think, in Kenya is somewhere like $3.50. So take your income and uh, multiply how many years that would take you. Like it's the equivalent, yeah. of, I don't know, it's like a million dollar product or yes. Yes. maybe not that big. But so it just means that they go without it and mm -hmm. they're kind of constantly chasing them. You're having to pay for kerosene, which probably costs 30, 40 cents anyways. They're going to the market to charge their phone. It's really hard to get out of the situation that you're in. The loop. Yeah. If there isn't financing in this kind of micro lending option. Yeah. And so this allows them to get light and, okay, now you've got a radio. Uh, you can charge your neighbor's phone for them and charge them five cents and oh, use this for business opportunities. The big thing that, I mean, really touches me is their kids can now study. So the, I've been to Kenya uh, a couple of times now, and the homes are, even though it is bright and sunny, they're dark. There's not, these are small homes. Very few have windows. So yeah. at night, you're, the children are trying to study and they can't, you're trying to do it by a kerosene lantern. It's really difficult. So now all of a sudden, your life has changed that you can read, you can do those, your homework at night. It's a lot easier for cooking. Everything about life can get better. And that enables you to not only afford more luxuries, but to, to what used to take you, I don't know, hours before takes less time and that's time that you can use for productive stuff. So it just has this nice cascading snowball effect. Yeah. And that's what we are intending to do is that we want to be 
really the, the appliance company for what's that next need you're going to have. And we're going to try to enable you to be able to get there. And your life is just going to keep getting better. And we're going to be with you on that journey. It's just absolutely amazing work that this is. I, I had no idea. I saw this come up on your LinkedIn. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I didn't think this. This is so fascinating. It's, it's a lot like the clean water. It sounds a lot like clean water. You know, all of a sudden you have clean water and yeah. life dramatically changes. All of a sudden I have like really electricity and my life's totally different. Like just think our leaders, you know, here, just how much your life, we just take so many things for granted, which by the way, it's okay. You know, we're, we're just fortunate. We just flip on the light. But, you know, again, and most of the people listening likely also, you know, don't have a hard time paying the bill. So, so that, that's a big thing. So what about credit? How do you manage credit, Brett, like from Africa or what, what, what does that work? Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, repayment is one of the biggest challenges we face. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do not get kind of a hundred cents on the dollar all the time. Sure. Um, But the model of, of trying to build to the future. So there's not a good system of being able to assess, okay, Chris, you want this? Can I check your credit score? That we've tried <laughs> there's that. No, there's yeah. yeah. Credit risk. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. Um, so we have developed kind of our own systems. We do screenings. Uh, there's secondary contacts that are certain areas. There's kind of a, a moral obligation people feel to repayment. That's that's an interesting aspect, um, and that's and that's what I've read as well. Is is that in fact a lot of these micro loans have a really high, yeah, sorry, willingness to pay yeah. and and commitment to pay because of moral obligation. Yes, yeah, and so I, I think there's two other things. One is that uh, I mean, we have a good product, and mm-hmm. once you have light, it's you want to keep it. So oh. I think. Uh, there's there's that aspect of it. I mean, we we spend a lot of time making sure that we have the best quality product in the market, and that we're right. working with them to make sure this is affordable. And then the upgrade option, where they want to get that next thing they want to develop, is not available if you don't have good repayment. So there's an incentive for them. So we we, we lean a lot more on incentives than penalties or punishments um, mm-hmm. for repayment. Yeah, I think that's great. It's 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 they you know it's one of the reasons why so many people stay in people's homes, right? Yeah. Like like you know it's like no, I, I don't want to I don't want to leave. I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I want my family here. I want you know I don't want to you know take them out of school because I can't afford it. What what can we do? How can we make this work? Right. So I can imagine that you know having light in your home that would that would certainly provide me a lot of motivation, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and then how's you know. What are the sales, if I can ask, or yeah. how are things working financially, et cetera, for the company and you? Yeah. So, I mean, when when I joined, uh, it was a little over two years ago. So the company had started in December 2017, mm-hmm. and I joined in the beginning of October. So we were still fairly early, but it was already, I mean, there was tens of thousands of customers at that point. Wow. And now we have 26 shops set up throughout Kenya. Uh, we've got 750 field agents that are attached to those shops that are out in the market selling. And we are in about 140,000 homes now. So there's roughly 600,000 Kenyans that have light today because of what we've been able to do. So we're generating um, kind of 10 to $20 million in revenue a year. We, uh, wow. We're planning to double shops in the next year, uh, expand other countries, add on new products. So it's been it's just been a rocket ship and and sales even through COVID have done extremely well. We're well positioned to 
if you're going to be in lockdown at home, you yes, want you, light. Even you want, more, even more. Exactly. Yeah. You want light. You want our TV sales went through the roof when COVID started. So it's uh, we're less than three years old. We're the fastest growing company that's ever been in this industry, and uh, with really solid financials um, that some of our competitors don't have. So it's been a fantastic ride. Tons of ups and downs, but I feel like we're just at the the start of what's going to be a very uh, very nice run. Well. You know, and Brett, I just can't imagine how great it is waking up every morning and doing this good for the world, right? Like, you know, providing 600,000 homes with light, like being part of the solution there as the chief operating officer. And and uh, like, that is just so inspiring, right? Yeah. What, I mean, Andy brought me on. He said, um, like he knew I didn't have the like solid logistics engineering. He mm-hmm. saw that we were kind of compatible, that we could both have complementary skills and be involved in, in everything. So I, mm-hmm. I'm at the business challenge of it's been amazing where I, I in charge of Canadian HR and, and I work mm-hmm. on the marketing and the sales yeah. strategy and logistics and everything. But the fact that I woke up this morning and there was, we had about between hundred and 200 new homes a day. And I've been there and I've been in these homes and people have hugged me and said, like, you've changed my life. I don't have yeah. to worry about my kids coughing on kerosene fumes. Yeah. The first time I went there, I went to, I don't know, 20 different homes, got to visit our shops where it was closest I've ever been to Rockstar. Like people were, the field agents were waiting there for me. And I went back at the end of a very long day and called my wife seven hours behind in Canada. And I was crying. I was like, crying. yeah, this is, for sure. this is what I get to do for a living. Um, yeah. This is amazing. That is so, so inspiring. I just love it. So just, you know, what are the next steps or what's standing in your way of doing even more good? And obviously, one of the cool things as well, leaders, more good and more revenue, you know, more good and more profit. Like, you know, that's so great, right? So what are the things standing in the in solar panels, panels way? One of the things I did not have any exposure to before this was the whole financing aspect of companies. So we sell a product where uh, that product might costs us $100 to manufacture, but we sell it for $20. So we're cash flow negative that first day. So we are reliant on on financing. And so continuing to do that, uh, we're going to raise equity for the first time this year. Okay. To date, it's been sole funded by the the owner um, who did extremely well before then. I didn't have exposure to that before. I worked at General Mills where, I mean, we didn't really, capital was always available. Yes. And that's, uh, we've got a great story and I, I know what we will get it here, but it is, a, that is a constant challenge for the company to make right. sure that we've got enough of a runway. And I just, I had no exposure to that before. So I think if we had access to all of the capital that we could ever want to, we could expand a lot faster. Right. I'm quite confident it will come and, and we're working on it right now, but, uh, that's a big challenge. And then just I mean, Africa is a very different market and we are constantly learning about it. The, the motivations of our staff there and how do we set up compensation plans that, that drive the right incentives. We're always tweaking that. Mm-hmm. There's no game plan here to say, here's what we do. So we're testing, we're succeeding, we're testing, we're failing, yeah. constantly iterating. And, uh, but I feel like we're, we've got a lot that's under control. We've got a lot that's going well for us. And then it's just, I also think we don't want to scale too fast and risk what we have built so far. Yeah, like you're on a rocket ship already. So, so you know, 
And like, like you said, in kind of really not as well-known territory, not as well-known culture, right? Like I think we naturally, or certainly I find myself at times, you know, thinking, oh, everyone's like me or everyone's seeing it from my perspective. Like, no, you know, it, like, or sorry, that seems to be my maybe natural viewpoint, first viewpoint. And then hold on. Now, of course, that's not the case, right? Like, you know, like all the books I've read and the profiling I've done and stuff. And then and then you go and say new country, different place and and all the different things that they're facing. Like, what have you done around? you know, how many on the ground staff do you have? Are they contractors? Are they employees? What's, what's that looking like for Solar Panda? So we've got about 198 full-time employees in Kenya. And okay. we have one expat who's there. So he's our managing director, born in Norway, lived most of his life in Kenya. He's the only white person we have there. All right. of the rest of our management team is local, which has awesome. been uh, great to develop insights. But it also... We've got a great culture. Like yeah. we have very low turnover. People believe that that we listen, and we and we really do. Like yeah. uh, this is not Andy and I making arbitrary decisions from Canada, which we would fail in a minute if we yes. tried to do that. Um, yeah. And so we have only a seven-person team in Canada, mm-hmm. and it is it's really remarkable that we were well positioned for COVID because. Yes, you're already running virtually. Right? Exactly. Yes. Um, and it's amazing with technology, with like how connected we can be to a country so far away and not feel like we are missing out by not being there in person. Right. So we've, uh, yeah. With the time zone, how does that change your personal life, et cetera? Seven hours different. I guess I'm kind of fortunate. My wife's a physiotherapist, so she's mm-hmm. got flexible hours as well. So I tend to have some very early morning calls. Okay. And But the nice thing, I mean, the hugest, one of the hugest difference in my life is at General Mills, I would have eight hours of meetings a day, yeah, which is just big company culture, I, I yeah. think. And we don't have that here. I mean, Andy and I will have a conversation for half an hour. Like, should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have to build a 30 slide deck to <laughs> make my pitch for it. To sell Andy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Andy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't we don't waste a lot of time meetings. And then the yeah. time change means that by noon or earlier, their day's mostly done. So yes. I've got a lot of time to actually just get stuff done. Think, make plans, execute, move, yeah. move things forward. And then like my, my concern about any huge time zone difference like that, uh, it's great that it's in the morning. I know you're a swimmer like me. So it's like waking up's not a concern, right? You know, and, yeah. and it's just about, you know, turning off so that you don't work all the time. How do yeah. you manage that? Like, you know, uh, not working all the time. I don't punch the clock. I don't have a job where I have to work nine to five. So mm-hmm. in the middle of the day, I'll go for a run um, or I'll go to the gym or whatever. And yeah. I have had some of my best ideas. I'm over. I'm like, oh, I've been thinking for three days how to figure that out. And I just right. came to me. So yes. at, even at General Mills, I was the same way of like, it doesn't make sense to to kind of just sit and, and chug because you will never come up with great new ways of doing things if you're yeah. just uh, hammering through it. So again, I always put my family first. So I will work early, but then I finish early so that my wife can go for a run or I can right. um, play with the kids. At night, I'll nothing gets in the way of bedtime. So I might work afterwards. But this ta- job has really just taught me about working smarter and not necessarily working harder. Right. So it's been great. That's awesome. 
So what about, you know, you, you dabbled in it a little bit, but you know, one of the concerns always people have is, you know, failures or mistakes, you know, any, anything stand out and what did you learn from them? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I made lots of little mistakes. Um, and when I started out in my career, I think that would like anytime I would have a failure, that was, was horrible. And I remember one early days at McCain that I look back now, I'm like, that wasn't a big deal, but right. at the time I, you're so worried about what someone, someone else going to think about. And now I'm at the point, like we should be failing. We should be failing small, yes. but if we're not kind of taking calculated risks and, and jumping into them and trying something, we are not going to get the results. So I fully embrace failures as long as you try to make them as, as small as possible. Right. I mean, there's still lots of stuff. So I, there's still lots of stuff that personally I think I fail with. Like I am still not great. There's stuff I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Human nature, I tend to procrastinate, procrastinate on it. Yeah. Probably not as bad as some people, but yeah. that's always a challenge. I've struggled with how do you juggle so much stuff? Mm -hmm. And in a job like this where I, I play, wear so many hats, uh, I've tried different time management systems and read books and stuff and just keep... I think I've got a pretty good way now, but that's just constant struggle to to figure out what works best and is it a paper to do list, whatever it is. Um, right, right. Those are uh, some of the kind of constant challenges uh, I've got. But um, yeah, fully embrace that failures are going to happen if you're trying to do anything that's at all new or you're pushing forward and uh, just embrace them. Yeah, no, it's interesting for me. Procrastination is a is a really big sign that I shouldn't be doing that. Clearly, I'm not interested, and yeah. and and obviously, you at your position in the organization, and you know, it's like, hold on, what's going on here? You know, and maybe it's something around the house or something, a commitment. Well, is there some way that someone else can handle this or whatever? You know, just because I'm, it's sucking up energy for me, and 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 you know, again, obviously, I've got years on you, so I've spent a lot of time really crafting that. So there are very few things that I do that I don't love doing that I don't want to do. Playing in the park was a big thing. Now the kids are a little too old. They won't come to me, come with me to the park anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was never to be missed, never to be yeah. missed. So, and so what about, um, how do you keep learning? You know, how have you kept learning over, over, you know, since university, since MBA? I mean, I, I, I guess I just, I get involved in, in everything I can. So, mm -hmm. and, and I kind of throw myself fully into it. So, I mean, I, I, that clearly was evident in my education. I did engineering. I missed doing business stuff, so I added on an economics degree while I was juggling that, uh, going to do my MBA, constantly trying to seek there. Uh, I read every night and kind of flip between a nonfiction and a fiction book. Okay. It, it surprises me that, that some people don't read at night. It's just that's always been my that's way of... That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That, I can't go to sleep without reading. Yeah. And so that's a big one. Um, I mean, if, if there's something I'm passionate about, I, I've always been big into sports, but I started getting really interested in weight training that I probably should have done more of when I was swimming, but got it now and then read a ton of books. And, and that's been one passion over the last few years that fully throw myself into and, and trying to find as many angles on it and mm -hmm. find, read all the research and make your own conclusions on what's going to work best for you. So that's just one example, but um, yeah. Awesome. And so, you know, when you think back to, you know, graduating from school and now 
you know, being a real huge value creator in the full-time world, what needed to change? What did you need to change about yourself? I think I was, I was fairly risk averse at the beginning. Um, I mean, I remember getting, I had a great summer job. I was a lifeguard, um, which was fantastic. And then I remember when I found out about student works painting, I was like, yeah, this is, this is kind of interesting. I could do this here and going home and tell my parents, but they're like, no, don't do that. Like, you've got this great job as a lifeguard. I was like, well, why? They're like, yeah, we don't think, but it sounds like this kind of pyramid scheme thing. And I, was, <laughs> and I had, I, I remember those conversations vividly now because that was kind of a tipping point for me where I think it, before that I would have been like, yeah, you're right. That's probably too risky. I'll just stick with being a lifeguard. But that was the the beginnings of, no, I, I, I believe that there's something here. I can't maybe articulate it perfectly, yeah. but I just, in my gut, I believe that there's something here and I'm going to calculate the risks. Like what's the worst that could happen? And right. I'm going to jump. Yeah. And I think that I've constantly struggled with that. Like maybe I should have left the corporate world much earlier yeah. and, and jumped into an entrepreneurial venture and I, I couldn't do it. Uh, and then when this opportunity came up, it took two days and I, I did make that jump. Yeah. And I, I remember the MBA, like people were going from their MBA and going and doing their own startups. I was like, yeah. I don't, I just always had that internal fight and I wholeheartedly disagreed with people who said you cannot be an entrepreneur if you ever work for anyone else. Cause I don't yeah, think, yeah. uh, I think that's horrible advice. Um, yeah. because I learned so much from working for people and working at big corporations yeah. that I could not do the job I do now without, without knowing all that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're, I think you cut your chances of failure by a huge amount by seeing other people fail when it's it's not your diamond. I mean, yeah, great if you can if you can make that leap and you can do it. Um, but I don't think it's an either or uh, situation. I, don't, I, I don't, think don't either. We we've got a an, an entrepreneur who um, worked at Coca Cola for six years and now he's running a hundred million dollar franchise organization and he was sort of saying I learned a whole bunch that I you know I saw all these things that I didn't see at Student Works when I worked there you know an entrepreneurial little company versus you know uh, the things that General Motors and Coke do like you know it's I think there's sometimes in entrepreneurialism there's a disdain for those yeah. big companies oh whatever what do you mean. They're unbelievable. Like General Mills is an unbelievable organization that creates yeah. enormous value. So to, to sort of say, oh, poo-poo, the, the, the entrepreneur knows better. Well, hold on. No, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. Well, the, the, the sexy story is the Mark Zuckerberg from your dorm room creates yes. Facebook. But yeah. what gets lost is that General Mills was created by someone who was just 150 years ago. Coca-Cola was created by yes. one person, entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and so that's, I mean, that was the biggest... As someone who I do believe an, entre- an entrepreneur was a real turmoil because everyone would say, yeah, if you, you can't work for a big company and still say you're an entrepreneur. And I, I think that if you don't feel like it's the right time to just make that jump, that doesn't mean that it's passed you by and it's not going to come around again. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing as well is, is, is it's really important to understand as well, Mark Zuckerberg as a result of the success and the early success of of Facebook, got incredible funding and then literally hired the best, you know, CFO, the best, uh, COO, the best, you know, and, and 
So was, you know, again, not saying Mark's not amazing. That's not what I'm saying, but just, just incredible management team because of the, the scope and breadth and, uh, of, of, of the, the growth of that business. So most people aren't going to be able to do that, right? Most yeah. people's business ideas are not that successful. So, uh, no, it's really, and I, I don't, I, I'm a big believer, you know, the tyranny of, or so many people, oh, I can do this or I can do that, or I can do, no, I think there's a lot of, and out there, you know, and, 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 you know, again, clearly the results that you're showing is, is there's a real, and so, yeah. uh, uh, but thanks for pointing that out. I think it's a real, it's a real great thing for people to look at. And, uh, so what key habits would, would our leaders want to steal from you if they could? I mean, I guess. <laughs> One of the things that I've always done is I, I don't waste time. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, in university, I was uh, on the swim team. I ran track. I was doing engineering and economics. And I was running a travel business. And I had more free time than everybody else I knew because I just didn't waste time. And yeah. uh, if I had an hour in the middle of the day, rather than going and sitting and grabbing coffee, I would get done my calculus homework or whatever right. it was. Yes. Um, and I've taken that now. I procrastinate on things I don't want to do. But again, I say probably to a less degree than others because procrastinating for me, I'll, I'll still get it done. And it's just being able to focus, getting yep. stuff done, getting it away. One of my greatest joys in life is crossing things off a list, which is <laughs> extremely dorky. But um, <laughs> Well, thanks for admitting it. But, yeah. but I hear you. I, yeah, There is a satisfaction. Like just embarrassing to share. Like there's something wrong with me, but anyhow, like, I think there's something wrong with all of us and yeah. it's good to admit it. It's like, it's like, I feel good when I finish something from the fridge. Like yeah. what's wrong oh, with that? I do like too. I'm such a completer. Like what, yes. what's, what's, that's so odd. It oh. seems to me. Well, I get to finish, finish <laughs> off a container and, and throw in the recycling. That's oh, so, I know. Look, done. done. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> too funny. Yeah. So I think that's one of them is just, I mean, as you grow in business or if you take on big challenges, there's just going to be an endless supply of stuff coming at you. So find your ways of just getting stuff done quickly. Uh, I think I've done a good job of kind of calculating the risks and and jumping a lot better now than I, I was then. Right. The other big thing I've learned, and I learned a lot about this at MBA, is don't be secretive with your ideas. Like, I think that is a natural inclination for an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, I've got this great idea. I can't tell anyone about it. No, there are very few unique ideas out there. And most of the stuff, I mean, I, I launched a travel business. I didn't come up with that. I just did it a little bit better or found my niche in it. Yeah. Um, and so if you really think you've got the next big idea, A, you're probably wrong. Yeah. And B, by sharing it with other entrepreneurs, odds are they're not going to steal it and do it better than you. Because they probably got their own idea, or they're just—it's—they're not going to be able to do it better than you. And getting their feedback and advice is going to be so much more valuable than thinking you can do it all on your own because yeah. you probably can't. So that's the same thing of just—it's—it's it's related to realize you don't know everything. Be really willing to ask questions. Uh, be willing to say, "I don't know." Like, let's try to figure this out together. So. If you're going to go alone, you're just increasing your chances of failure significantly. Significantly, yeah. And so in every aspect of, of life, I think, don't be afraid to say, I, I don't have all the answers and, and I need help. Yeah. And, and it's interesting as well. They, they say as well, or I've read that 
when new ideas are coming into form, there's things occurring that make those new ideas present for people. All of a sudden it's like, oh, that's why this could work. Like, like maybe there's a new technology and there's a fusion of different understandings. And so you'll see a number of people working in that direction. So, so again, you know, especially if you're thinking something new and unique and different and, and again, always for entrepreneurs, it's, do we look to just go execute better than everybody? And, and that's, that's certainly, that's always what I've done. It's just look to execute better. Or are you going to do something creative and different and unique in a new space, which is, it's, it's, it's obviously exciting and dreamlike and maybe more challenging to, to do that. So, yeah. and again, even more important to get help from others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, final question. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I guess it's similar to that. I mean, I, I think just as you said there, your idea doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be the thing that's going to change the world. I think if you can just find ways to do things better, you can make a great company, massive impact. I think that that's one thing. I think figure out, as you, as you said, about okay, what's going on around that's going to coalesce to, to make this the right time for this to happen. So look around the world. I mean, I think Africa is going to be the next great frontier. Yeah. And the businesses we have here that you would take for granted, whatever it is that's, I mean, making pens, that's a great yeah. opportunity in Africa because they're just 50 years behind us. So yeah. figure out where is that that next thing that's going to be that you can be big. And then I think the the last thing for leaders of tomorrow's is Find a way to impact lives uh, and to improve lives. And I mean, if that's you just want to make a lot of money and you're improving your life, that's fine. If you just want to have a great life for your family, that's fine. If you want to have a great product that people are really going to like using, that's great. And and find like where that is. If it's going to be a charitable organization or a nonprofit that's going to that's going to have a material impact on someone's life, find where it is that you feel like you can add value. Um, mm-hmm. And then, it, I, I mean, it's cliche, everyone says it won't feel like work if you enjoy doing it. But yeah. I think there are so many ways that we can improve the lives of people. And I, I think, I mean, I worked, I sold tacos. And you, you can kind of say that as passe, but tacos bring families together and you're sharing food. There was a great way to impact lives and improve families and, and in mm-hmm. a society where people are on their phones all the time and, and dispersed. Eating a taco is one way where families come together, and I yeah. get to do it now, where we're bringing light to people, where it's a little more clear where that impact is. But every job, every industry has ways that you can improve the lives of people, and um, I wholeheartedly believe, like, find the way that you can create that impact, and it gives a lot of meaning to what you're you're trying to do. Well, that's great. Like, you know, I think it's really, really clear for all our leaders uh, listening here, Brett, how much. Solar Panda and the impact it's going to have on the world. Like, that's just so fantastic. And again, we, I know we're all wishing you well and wishing Kenya well and Africa well, you know, like that's just so fantastic. And I wanted to point out for everybody, do you notice, you know, again, what you've done with, you know, your General Mills work is finding the real value there. Again, the real value isn't a big paycheck. It just, your life will suck if that's all you're chasing. You know, the real value is doing work that matters. And, and again, so 
Brett was finding a way to, again, and you could tell it's sincere. It's, it's like, no, this, this made me happy to do that work. Just like, obviously you've said a number of times, your family's so important. And so then connecting with other people's family, that's a great thing. And, and, and certainly every morning I wake up, I'm absolutely psyched to go do the things I'm doing today. I have eight interviews and I'm interviewing Brett and this is awesome. Like what a great day and some conference calls this morning with our team. And I just feel blessed. Right. And that's a great thing. And it's possible, but you know, for me, by the sounds of it, Brett, you're like me, you were, you were really conscious of that as you went along. Let's do something that's going to be meaningful. Yeah. And it, Again, it's you said it earlier. Like it's not the or. Uh, it's yeah. uh, you can. Solar Pants is a for-profit business. Yeah, which I think is a much more sustainable way to make an impact. And mm-hmm. so people would think, okay, if I'm going to make an impact in Africa, I've got to go volunteer to to build schools. You don't. That there's there are so many ways that you can you can make an impact on the world or on the people around you. It doesn't have to be an either or. And so you just have to find your angle that allows you to do that if, if that's what you believe in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate, I'm, I'm so glad I reached out. Um, I, I'm not sure why I was just going, Oh, that's neat. What's Brett up to? All right. So thank you so much for joining us on the uh, leaders to tomorrow podcast. This has been so inspiring for our listeners. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to connect with you again. And, uh, I think what you've done certainly Im- impacted my life and, uh, I know you've impacted hundreds or thousands more. And so it's, uh, it's great. I'm glad I could be a part of it. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, and, and actually, by the way, I just wanted to, to share this as well as, is your parents, uh, and I know your father, uh, very rational people to sort of go online before and say, wow, this looks like a, a, a pyramid scam. And so with our alumni like yourself, who've come on and, and we put testimonials up and we do this amazing podcast, let future parents go and see, oh, this is real. This is really neat. Okay. Uh, you know, now the question is, is my son or daughter the right person to come do this? And I think if that was the light that your parents were looking at this, really likely they'd go, oh yeah, Brett's the right person, you know, yeah. just because you were the right person. There's no question um, that you were the right person to do this program. So, so thanks so much and uh, really appreciate your time today. Rob, thanks a lot, Chris. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.